This is Vixen John, creator of Minute Made New York, and you're listening to Minutes Heard. On today's episode of Minutes Heard, I sit down with Aaron Watkins, who is another amazing individual I had the chance to work with and meet at Brick. And we used to work together on a television show called BK Live, and he was just a charismatic host with great personality, really funny, and really cool at what he does. And outside of work, outside of that particular production, he was also a host, and he also got into acting and other things that makes him a really cool guy. So we had the chance to sit down after one of the airings of BK Live at Brick and just have a conversation about who he is and what he does. So sit back and take a listen. So, uh, what motivates you to wake up every day and make the best of it? Uh, what motivates me to wake up every day? Well, to be honest with you, uh, one of the actual things that helps to wake me up every day and motivate me is a phone call from my father. Uh, my father works the night shift at the Baltimore Detention Center uh, in Baltimore. And so he gets off work at 8 o'clock in the morning. And so when he gets off work in the morning, you know, he calls his children just to say a quick little whatever, have a great day. And uh, it's been like that pretty much my entire life. Um, so I really don't know what motivates me to get up in the morning. I know it's my phone call from my father, and he's saying, get up and get at it. Um, but that being said, you know, it helps me to always sort of realize and, and focus on what's most important, which in and of itself is family. You know, I don't have children of my, my own, haven't been blessed with that opportunity as of yet. Um, and I am removed from my family who are in Baltimore, Maryland. All my family is there. But, you know, it doesn't really matter. You still have your responsibilities. And so as a son and as a brother and as an uncle... And as a cousin, um, I am always motivated by thoughts of family when I wake up. Cool. That's dope. Family is always important. Um, <clears throat> so let's see, what else? Uh, so we all know that, well, not we all, but outside of your job here, outside of this occupation, like what would be your dream, dream occupation? Like what would you want to be like, this is my job, this is what I love to do? Like your dream job, so to speak. You know, honestly, um, I, I'm not saying I'm doing my dream job, but I am in the industry that I want to be in. Um, growing up as a youth, uh, I spent my childhood summers traveling uh, with my mother throughout Europe um, because my aunt was uh, stationed in Wiesbaden, Germany. She was a nurse. So even though we were middle class, I still had this amazing opportunity every summer for two months to travel and live abroad. You know, we traveled with Capri Suns and Ritz crackers and cheese and cold cuts. Uh, but, you know, I've been everywhere that I ever read about Europe, you know, as an American. You know, I've been there twice. So growing up, traveling all the time and just seeing so many people and places and experiences and everywhere we would go my mother would say well you just have to try it try the local this try the local that i've always just had a love of talking to people that have experiences other than my own and sharing that with other people you know you go back to school you go to show and tell and you know you're re you know you're 
discussing something in class and it's like, oh, hey, actually, I have pictures from there. You know what I mean? And you bring them in and, and, and you present them to the class and everything that you're reading about, you're reading about World War II, you're reading about Munich and Germany and, you know, Liechtenstein, all these places, I've been there. I've been to the museum. I've had the local ale. I've tried the local cheese. I, I can tell you the delicacy of, of the place. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm an African-American, so I lived that experience as well. And so it's just the idea that we are all the same. We actually do all of the same things. Humans, we have more alike than, than differences, more similarities than differences. But people don't realize that. They just let little small things like preferences you know, dissuade us from coming together. You know, where you go out and do one thing, another guy does the same thing, but because he has a different brand or a different style, then all of a sudden it's, you know, everybody in and of themselves is ethnocentric, and I believe that. But I believe that we're all humans as well. So I just love sitting down and talking to people, honestly. If I could get up every morning and meet a new person and find out something that is amazing or find out about something that's actually horrible, but in the same minute, find out about the amazing people that have dedicated their life to, you know, advocating for that cause, then it just gives me faith in humanity. You know, when I don't talk to people, you know, I get depressed. Word. I agree. Yeah, just like, I think it's just the, um, yeah, just getting the different perspectives and viewpoints and kind of that fuels your own. It's just motivation, motivation and stimulation. It's, it's just like, oh, that's different. Oh, that's interesting. That's unique. It's just... It's, it's just not the same. You know what I'm saying? Just always looking at something with fresh eyes. You always see the parallels and the principles and the things that are same, but you're still, in and of itself, you're always sort of finding something new as well. And, you know, the mind is a muscle. Right. So it, it must be stimulated. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, let's see what else. Um... Oh, what brought you to New York? So, I, I, I mean, you're mentioning, you know, you mentioned that most of your family's in Baltimore. So what what story or what thing caused you to... Brought me to New York? I, I came to New York because I, I, I wanted to do music and rap. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I went to Morehouse College, majored in accounting. And while I was at school and even in high school, I was really big into poetry. And so I started writing poetry and I would start, you know, being in freestyle ciphers and then... You know, the people at the poetry thing would be like, man, you should rap. And then the people would rap like, man, your poetry's really good. So I'm like, am I a poet? Am I a rapper? At the end of the day, I'm just a wordsmith. And so when I graduated, I almost worked for Enron in their accounting department. But I ended up turning that opportunity down, thank God. And uh, I created my first rap album. So I was down in Atlanta throwing parties, doing music. And the guy that I was rapping at the time was talking about going to apply to Columbia for grad school. So I said, you go to Columbia, I'll, I'll, I'll move to New York, you know? There's also a certain female that had just recently moved to New York that I was like, yeah, you know, New York might be the place to be. But when you're a youth growing up in Baltimore and you're traveling to Europe, you're, you know, your entire uh, life, you, you do ultimately know that you're going to live in a metropolis. So I always knew I was going to move to New York, but Atlanta was treating me really, really good. So I decided not to move just yet. But when my, you know, uh, rap partner was thinking of going there, I said, hey, let's do it. So... Moved to New York. Well, also, what happened was September 11th. September 11th happened that Tuesday morning. I watched uh, from my house in Atlanta. And on Friday, I was at 12th, 14th, I decided I was moving to New York. I figured there was going to be a paradigm shift in the American consciousness. 
I figured it didn't matter if you were in New York before September 11th. Doesn't matter. After September 11th, it's a new paradigm shift. Everything is refreshing. It's a restart. And I can go to New York right now. And as I get to know people, it's going to feel to them like I've always been there. Because it's a new paradigm shift. If September 11th hadn't happened and I moved to New York, and then I'm like, hey, yeah, I moved to New York two, two months ago. Like, ah, you, you just got here. You don't even know nothing. But when I came back to September 11th, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm here. I was like, that's what's up, you know? And I came to New York because I, I knew that the, 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 the war machine would, would begin. And I said, hey, if, you know, New York is ground zero for, you know, America's attack, then what we need is love. And what we need is rationale, you know what I'm saying? Rational people to help the healing process. And I consider myself one of those people. And so I packed my stuff up. And within a month, after September 11th, I was in New York. We were doing shows and rapping out in Times Square and selling my CDs and just promoting peace, love, and just trying to be part of the fabric of New York. Um, so last thing, if you want, uh, share, share your, share a story from, from Baltimore and New York, uh, that's just like, I guess kind of defines, you know, your journey, whether it's like a story, like a story, a memorable story from overseas, from your travels or from Baltimore and New York, like what's a story that you don't mind sharing? Um, well, you know, I, mm. <laughs> You know, a lot of my stories I mean, yeah. kind of <laughs> delve into other certain aspects of things. But no, what I will say is uh, talk about a recent experience that I just had, which is finding out that I have a new sister. So this weekend, I will meet my 48-year-old sister, who nobody in my family knew existed till two weeks ago. Um... You know, New York is an amazing place. You know, it's like, I look at Baltimore, and I wish every city could be like New York. You know, New York has its problems. But, you know, it is a metropolis. You know, people can come here, and you can see so many sort of diverse influences in a place. But when I talked to my sister on the phone, a person who was adopted at, at you know, right from birth, separated from her family, grew up, uh, always just knowing something was different about her, but not really knowing what it was. And I think about the 15 and a half years that she has spent trying to find her way back to her family. And, you know, I look at New York and I think about America, and I'm an extensive reader. I'm on Wikipedia all the time. I read till 3, 4 o'clock in the morning every night. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're all sort of in that same similar situation. You know, whether it's we're adopted or not, some type of way we have divorced ourselves from ourselves we have through one reason or another stopped our ability to openly communicate with people and you know as I talk to my sister and, I, and endeavor to recreate this bond when I think about the love and protection and, and advice that my family's always bestowed upon me and us not being able to shelter her under that umbrella as well you know I just look at New York and it just makes my heart just sort of just swell with pride. You know, New York has so many problems here, but, you know, especially working with BK Live, like I said, you know, when we find out about a problem, we're also finding out about the people who are dedicating their lives to, you know, ameliorating that, that pain, to correcting, you know, that wrong. 
And so, and I know I ramble a lot, whatever. It all sort of makes sense in my, my philosophy of things. But, you know, basically I'm just saying we are all family. You know, as part of this African-American diasporic uh, experience, you know, we are all family. And we have to look at ourselves that way. It's so easy for us to separate ourselves from ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was on the TV show today, I was saying that, you know, I'm just as guilty as, as any racist, segregationist, liberal, conservative, whatever. You know, I look at a lot of the youth when I was a youth, and I was like, yeah, they're, they're doing bad. You know what I mean? Because I'm a good one. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But, you know, I got two parents at home. I got a teacher and a correctional officer and a grandmother and sisters and aunts and uncles that make sure that I've never wanted for anything. You know what I mean? So it's easy to sit back and say, oh, I go to church, oh, I do this, and I don't do that, and those are the bad guys. But, you know, one thing my father always told me, he said, uh, he said the king and the pawn go in the same box. And what that means is, you know, you can play a game of chess, you know what I mean? And at the end of the day, though, when you finish that game, you put the king and the pawn in the same box. And what he means by that is, you know, when Hitler came for the Jews, he didn't come and say, are you a doctor, you Jewish person? Are you a mechanic, you Jewish person? You know what I'm saying? Are you a, are you a homeless person, you Jewish person? No, he didn't ask if you were a king. He didn't ask if you were a knight. He didn't ask if you were a pawn. When they came for the Jews, right. they said, get in the box. You know what I mean? Right. And that's what's happening with our brothers and sisters. You know what I'm saying? Like, what they do to us, they do to me and they do to you. You know what I'm saying? It's easy for us to look at, at ourselves as like we're not incarcerated. We got a job. We're doing the right thing, the good thing. You know what I'm saying? There's some degree of success to that. But it isn't. Yeah. It's not in any way, shape, or form. We're just lucky. That's it. Right. We are just lucky. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I just, I look at New York as an extension of, of a big family. Like, I know I don't know that person. I don't know that, I know that person either. But, like, it's still my desire, you know what I'm saying, to just extend them love and support. Because we all need it. And, honestly, we're not that separated. There's more things that make us similar than create differences. And I've seen that because I've traveled the world over. And we're all still concerned with the same things. But, you know, special interests in politics use media to separate us. And they're really good at it. And, you know, that's what we got to fight against. I know. Oh, and dance, man. I love to dance. I, I can't talk about being in New York without dancing because, you know, you know, I came to New York and I fell in love with, you know, spoke a word a long time ago. But when I came to New York, I fell in love with dance. And my rap partner was like, man, I kind of wish you didn't fall in love with dance the way you did because you stopped rapping in order to dance all the time. But, you know, it's just it's that movement. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this is New York. We have the illest people from everywhere. It's not that they're New Yorkers. You know what I'm saying? It's just that it's New York. And so the biggest and the brightest, you know what I'm saying, they want to come here. You know what I'm saying? They want to get caught up in that energy. When you were dancing in New York, you know what I mean? It's like, you think you're doing a little something, right? You know what I mean? Because the person next to you was just killing it. And you're like, well, I can't do that. But then you know what? You look up on the YouTube and the da-da-da and the da-da-da. These are world-class dancers. Okay, they just got flew back from Japan, flew back from Singapore, flew back from uh, Holland, judging everything. So it's like 
the people that are your friends, the people that's dancing next to you, these are world-class people. And it's through osmosis, you know what I'm saying, that, like, this talent just raises us up. You know, sometimes I walk around, and I'm just looking to make sure my feet are still touching the ground because I just feel so blessed to be surrounded by the people that are just being themselves but sharing themselves with me, you know? And then you look at yourself, and then one day you realize that people come to you and they say the same thing about you. You know what I'm saying? They say vixen, you know what I'm saying? I remember we had that conversation when I was thinking about this, and then I did this, and it's just like you just being you. And you don't realize that, like, you've had a positive, a significant impact on people. You know what I mean? Like, I talked to one of my friends. I met him when he was 15 years old. He's 30 now. Yeah. I've known him 15 years. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when I met him, he was 15. He was a DJ. And he was killing this house party. Little white boy. You know what I mean? I was at this house party. Best style. All black people. The music was great. Finally, I see who the DJ is. Is a 15-year-old white boy. The brother of my friend, because their parents had married each other or whatever. So he has a 15-year-old white brother. He introduced me to him. The words that came out of his mouth, the accent that came out of his mouth, the musical theory and everything, it was like talking to my boy. You know what I mean? Like white, black, none of that mattered. 15, I'm 25, none of that matters. It's just like it's a meeting of the minds in New York. You know what I'm saying? So it's like if you can get past... That initial, oh, what they wearing. If you can get past that initial, like, oh, they ain't got no, you know what I mean? Just whatever your, your, uh, your thing is that just will help you to disqualify somebody in your mind from having a meaningful connection with them. If you can just get past that, you're golden. Because there's so many lessons and blessings that people are here to teach you. And they have actually come across your path to do just that. But you get in the way of yourself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is like, yo, I just, you in New York, you just tapping into the source, brother. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do I want to do? I just want to talk to people, honestly. You know what I'm saying? Like, ah, that's what I want to do. I want to talk to people and hear some amazing stories. And the thing about it is, I don't want to talk to anybody that's famous or big time, because you know what? There's nothing I can ask them that we won't find out anyway. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. There's no, no, I mean, just saying, there's people for that. Right. But, you know, to, for somebody, to, like, on a local level, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just get just as excited talking to, you know, this youth organizer from blah, 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 as somebody else might be talking to Beyonce. Like, I don't want to talk to Beyonce. <laughs> I don't want to talk to Beyonce. Oh, no, 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 no. You know what I'm saying? There's a billion people for that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even care about that. I mean, I, and plus, I would, I'd be too excited. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like, what do you ask? Right. You know what I mean? That you don't already know. That you don't know. already know. You know what I'm saying? I'm not here to be... On TV to be a fan of people, you know. I'm on TV. My personal thing is just be a human and just ask really sort of basic questions for every man and woman to just you know how does it affect the average person? That's what I'm always getting to. You know, like I don't care about the height. Like how does this affect the average person? What do they need to know? So it'll because you know this makes their life better. You know what I'm saying? These news and, 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 and information that we disperse makes people's lives better. Right. It does. And as a rapper and as an actor, I've had people come to me years later and say, hey, you know, you changed me. You know? Or even, I mean, it's just, 
I don't know. New York is just, America's a great place, I think. We're not living up to her potential. We're not. But uh, one day we'll have the courage to. I can keep rambling and explaining what I mean by that. You know what I mean? But what I'm saying is, you know, we look for uh, to make our redresses in, in the court. You know what I mean? And ultimately, a lot of um, leaps and bounds and protections that we have gained as African Americans have been through the court system, even though they have turned us back left and right as well. Um, but you know, I, I think if you know, just I'm an American. You know, how people are like, where are you from? And you'd be like, America. <laughs> They'd be like, no, 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 no. But where are your people from? Where are your people from? Right. America. No, no, no. I mean, your parents, but your grandparents. Your gra where are your people from? America. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, too, am America. And so sometimes I just want people to realize that. You know? Like I said, there's so many things that keep us apart. And that's just a smokescreen. And that's, you know what I mean? That's, that's money and interest dividing people. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, if you are a patriot, and not, and I think every black person, no matter how mad they are in America, is a patriot. Word. I do. Because at the end of the day, it's like we we believe in America. We, we believe in the in the we believe in America. We are still here. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And we are looking to the court to petition us to do exactly what America said it was here to do. Exactly. You know, we don't take the, what the court says and 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 say tell the court to go to hell. You know what I mean? When America in 1954 said, hey, America, the Supreme Court said, integrate. That, you know, that's the law. And we haven't been doing it. You know what I mean? What did they do? We created the suburbs. You know what I'm saying? Like, basically, a lot of people in America, and whatever, a, lot of, a large population of the American um, citizenry, you know, they're for themselves. They don't, they, don't, they don't know the Constitution, let alone read it, let alone support it. <laughs> no, they don't. No, a lot of people don't, I don't think a lot of people pay attention. It's, um, I mean, I don't want to say we live in an individualistic society, but, I mean, it's set up to where it's like you kind of just focus on your own thing, you do what you got to well, do. Well, see, that's the problem things, with being a black person, too. Right. It's because there's so many systems of oppression and racism uh, and legislation on so many, on every level, actually, that's working against us, but we actually act like it's a race-neutral society now. And that's the part of the part of mass incarceration. Is that yeah, sixty years ago, if people just you know, hundred years ago, if people discriminated against you because your color, then we're like, oh, that's wrong. You know, that's wrong. That's wrong. But now, what they do is they discriminate against you because you are a felon, or because you've been arrested, or because you have a record. Right. See, that's not that's race neutral. That's that's. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not discriminating against anybody. It's, it's the law. Like insurance purposes, I can't hire somebody. Or not. You know, whatever. You know what I mean? But we accept that as black people, knowing that we have been, our children are being targeted. Exactly. I mean, at every point of the process, we are overrepresented. We are targeted. We are prosecuted against. There is no remediation or alternative sentence programs that we are placed into. <laughs> No, I mean, no, I'm serious. They've taken the actual court cases. Like, I forgot what state it was. Uh, uh, I read the New Jim Crow, like, last week, whatever. Um, but, you know, they have cases where they actually have district attorneys. See, this is the thing. The district attorney, you know what I mean? The, like, the prosecutors are the most powerful people in America because they decide who goes before the judge. Exactly. They decide. You know what I mean? It doesn't even, a lot of times, it doesn't, people don't even make it to the judge. You know what I'm saying? 95% of cases are pleaded out. And they overcharge people. The reason they overcharge people 
is so that they can they can knock any of those off at any point. The reason they overcharge people is so that they can plea bargain people down. You know what I'm saying? You did one thing, but they give you five charges, but they're like, but look, we're going to get rid of three of the charges and just charge you with two, and all you got to do is this. Right. You know what I'm saying? Sounds, a mandatory... Sounds it's, like a deal, but it's not really a deal. It's not. Yeah. It's, race, it's, it, it, it's, it's racism. Yeah. It, it's racism. And then, so in this particular case, the, one of the dis, a black district attorney, he was wondering... Um, Oh, he was a prosecutor, like a, the pro- prosecutor, whatever in the case. He was wondering why every single one hundred percent of the people that were coming to him for crack, for crack possession, distribution, whatever, were black. He was like, "Hold on, it's one hundred percent, like one hundred percent." Right. That's like the they're not arresting anybody white right. for selling crack. Nobody. Considering that. But then he says, "He said that can't be possible. They at least have to be arresting some of them." So then he tried to discover where, once they entered the system, where were all these white people going? They were going into alternative drug treatment programs. And so not only are, as African Americans, are we targeted more, but then once they're arrested, that decision about what comes next is also racially biased. Of course. So they're putting these white people in drug treatment programs, and they're sending your niece and your nephew, and when I say niece and nephew, I mean this is all racialized, not gender. Your niece and your nephew are getting mandatory sentences. You know what I mean? And then forever, forever, the rest of their life. And, and people plead, let me tell you, people plead guilty to charges, to felony charges all the time. Like felony charges. <laughs> Something might happen, they'll say, look, we'll give you this plea deal, you already been in jail for this time, but you plead guilty to this. And, you know, you'll get probation. You know what I'm saying? So then you get probation, but you also have a guilty verdict and you're a felon. The other person fights it. It might be later dismissed. So now all those people that were involved in it are free. Except you, who got out <laughs> earlier than them. Because you, you probably wouldn't, weren't even involved. You just got swept up or something. You're a felon for the rest of, you're a for the rest of your life. Yeah, that, that's like... So it's all racially motivated. And it's hard to navigate America. And if anything, I want to be able to be a reasonable, rational voice for that. And saying, like, look, you are not alone and you can do this. And, you know, maybe you might have some problems and troubles and challenges. But you can make it through this. And the reason you can make it through this is because the troubles and challenges and things that you're having, they're not of your own creation. Right. You're not responsible for that. You're not responsible for that. You have to respond to that. You have to deal with that. Your expectations have to be mediated by that. And somehow but in and of itself, God made you perfect. Word. The only thing you gotta do is overcome those obstacles that obviously get in the way that are placed for a specific reason. You know what I mean? Yeah, but people are trying to tell you those obstacles are inherent in you. Like you're not good enough. And you're, right, you know that's what I'm like, saying. Like the, the no. obstacles are that are within their, within themselves, but it's like the obstacles are been set up for a certain reason. Oh, all yeah. you gotta do is like, for a certain quote unquote reason. Right. And all yeah. you gotta do is just dodge them or at least recognize them first. No, you need to recognize them first. Right, recognize some of them, them. Some of them are, are, are undodgeable. Right. Depending on your circumstances. Correct. Where you're from. But recognition of them does take away its power. Correct. And mm-hmm. once you recognize it, you can at least fight to overcome them. Yeah. But a lot of times what we, we, we have is misplaced aggression in our community too. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't know what to do about this and it's being acted upon you so you can't do anything to relieve that. So anything else that comes at you, you react aggressively. Word. 
And then people are like, oh, calm down. It's just like, yo, I'm pissed. It's like, how? <laughs> how can I calm down? I don't have any, nobody taught me any coping mechanism, you know what I'm saying, to, to, to bring my anger down, to bring my frustration level down. Especially when you, like, become aware of it. It's just like, shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that's another reason, too, why they're saying, you know, knowledge of something doesn't necessarily make you happier. And that's also we have to understand too expectations of happiness. You know what I'm saying? Like this idea as an American, everybody's supposed to be happy. We're actually no. As a, you know, what I mean, my father told me he's like, I don't really care if you're happy. I'm your father. I care that you're safe. I care that you're provided for. I care that you are secure. I care. You know what I mean? I care that you are eating healthy. I care. That, but like mm, your happiness, eh, but, mm, that's on you. That's on you. Yeah, it's like I'm. Mm. Yeah, it's on you, yeah. Exactly. Thanks for listening to this episode of Minutes Heard. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow or subscribe to Minute Maid New York on Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube. Do you have a minute?